I'm Infant Massage Instructor Helen Thompson. Hello and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. Being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged 4 weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage, so let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. I know from questions that I regularly receive from parents that many, many of you find storytelling challenging. So in this episode, I spoke with Serena Gibbons, a mum of five who has a wide range of experience. Arona's background also includes training in Rudolf Steiner approach to education. I'm familiar with the Steiner philosophy from my childcare background and have always been fascinated by this approach because it encourages the child's moral, spiritual and creative sides instead of focusing too much on their intellect, which I feel is so valuable and often neglected in the mainstream system. Arona shares some great ideas around the use of language and literacy and how to encourage children and parents to develop their imaginations and storytelling. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi Arona and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I've been very, very excited about this podcast. And let's start by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you. Okay, thanks Helen. Thanks for having me today. So my name's Arona Gibbons. I originally trained in mainstream early childhood, which was preschool based. And then I did some Rudolf Steiner training because my son went to a Steiner school and then I actually moved over some of my other children to the Steiner school. So I've basically taught in mainstream playgroups and preschools, uh, long daycare as well. And then I've had experience in the Steiner playgroups, preschool and kindergarten. So, yeah, my, I have a bit of a mix. Mainstream and Steiner are often, at times, can be complementary, but then at times can be quite uh, different. Mm-hmm. And I just take what I love from both. And, you know, depending on if I'm doing, when I was working, doing family daycare, there were components of mainstream that I kept and then components of Rudolf Steiner that I brought in. Some people may not know what Steiner education is, and it's a philosophy based on Rudolf Steiner, uh, his works in education, and often it's called, overseas they call it a Waldorf education or in the Waldorf school. So um, it's just a different philosophy and a different way of looking at early childhood. Thank you. That sounds, the the Rudolf Steiner stuff I've heard so much about, and I I really like that philosophy. It's you do a lot of storytelling and it's all spontaneous and sort of puppetry and all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of really what I wanted to have a chat about. So for mums, first time mums who are, well, I'm not going to say finding it difficult to read to their kids, but 
encouraging them more to read to their kids or naturally rather than always reading a book because you don't always have to do that mm. and I know you've got a great background in that so well, is there anything that we can sort of add to what I've just said there? Yeah I, I think the importance of either reading, telling stories, talking and singing to your baby just cannot be underestimated. By doing this from birth, by introducing rhymes and songs and even just stories from birth, it actually helps them to develop early literacy and language skills Mm -hmm. and it allows a bonding time as well. It's a really beautiful experience for both parent and child, whether it's dad or mum or sibling even, to have some quiet downtime and just enjoy being together. And we often have very, very busy, busy lives. And yes, that's true. right from birth, babies are sung to, you know, and just the simple little old nursery rhymes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am aware that a lot of new time, uh, first time mums nowadays um, source a lot of information online. I'm older, so I have that traditional background of you know, using books. And I recall that when I was doing my mainstream studies but this was also very complementary to Steiner early childhood was um, a book that was called This Little Puffin and it was just a little soft cover book and it had all of these nursery rhymes and songs and games Mm. in it I'm sure you could still get it nowadays I've got that Um, book too yeah and it was just such an amazing resource because I worked one of my first jobs in mainstream was working with babies and so we were taught early on I was already a mum and I had come from a background of quite rich literacy and language. So I had always been sung to and read stories too. So that just came naturally. But for some for some mums, it doesn't come naturally. So just, for example, little things like I had finger puppets on the change table, you know, just simple little finger puppets and I would use those and I would use, say, little rhymes, you know, the nose, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. shoulders, knees and toes or, you know, just make things up really yes, a lot yes, of the time what, yes, if I didn't have anything. But you don't even need a little finger puppet, you know, you can just use your fingers. And I think finger plays and gestures are things that we were just taught to do with, with babies right from the beginning, you know. And I know that a lot of libraries now offer rhyme time. And last week for the first time I attended one here locally and I loved it. It was just done really beautifully. And there were babies from four months old up to probably children of about three years of age. And I love the way they just gently introduced and explained what to do as they taught the mums the little rhymes and finger plays. I guess when I'm talking about songs and finger plays, that inevitably is language and literacy and story. Really, in in these early years, it's much more about introducing song, just constantly singing to them. And then as they get a little bit older, maybe around that four to six months of age, where they have, you know, they're able to kind of sit into your lap a bit better, you know, then you can start to introduce them to stories. Now, you and I spoke before about introducing babies to reading from birth yes yep yeah and I fully support that I as Helen knows I run a charity that actually encourages that for babies in intensive care units and those babies are read to while they're having cuddles on their mummy's chest so while I'm here talking about you know doing lots of finger plays and rhymes because that's engaging the baby But also you still can read stories to babies right from birth 
And once they get to that age where they are sitting in your lap, you know, then they can kind of touch the book even and you can get lots of little activity books that, with the different sensory ones that have the different textures or yes, feel. Yep. But even just having a book that you can turn the pages and that you can sit with your baby, have this lovely quiet bonding time, it gives you five minutes out and you're sharing a story. It's just all of that rich language that they're being exposed to that helps them actually to develop their own vocabulary and language skills as they become older. Yeah, and you don't necessarily, from a child, uh, early childhood background, I thought, you don't necessarily have to sit down and actually sort of read the book physically to them. You can just sort of point to the pictures and make up your own little story and you can have the pictures to prompt you. And then when they get older, like the little one and a half year old that I look after at the moment, he just points to things and he tells me what they are. He says bird or he says dog. And yeah, yeah. I might say something like, well, you know, what, what noise does a dog make or where do you think the dog's going? And he'll go woof and then he'll tell me his little story about where the dog's going and what he's what it's doing. Because so, that's so spontaneous and that's much more fun. It is. And it's it's engaging them and allowing them to actually be absorbed into that story. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you sitting there, you know, reading every word, especially in these younger years and when language is developing, Helen, it's perfect time exactly to say, what's this, you know, cat, mm-hmm. dog, make a sound and, and actually start to get them thinking about the pictures. It can be very simple. And if you're not confident with reading, you know, it's you just make up. I mean, every day we tell stories. We, we yes. have a couple with a friend and we tell our story and we share our story. And and have, sharing a story with a child is no different. I make so much up on the spot. You know, you can be outside looking under the tree. You can be saying, oh, look at the bird in the nest in the tree. Let's go and see if there's some eggs. One day there was a little birdie who ha- who was in a tree you know, or had a nest in a tree. Like you can actually just make up those simple stories depending on where you are and what situation. You don't have to have a book right in front of you. And even outside, like a lot of people forget that babies, children and babies adore being outside. Oh, yes, they love it. Yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity to tell a story, even if you're telling a story from your experience to the child. You know, I had a little really wagtail who had a nest in a tree. And I waited patiently and day by day I would watch it fly away and bring bring back food to its babies, you know, things like that. You can just relate back to something that you've experienced in your life and turn it into a little story to share with a child. Yeah, and, um, I think that's Can we find a really wagtail in the tree now and then you can take it off on to another experience for them? So, yeah, I think sometimes... I've met a few young mums who kind of they don't they've got this beautiful baby but they don't really know in those very early months what do I do what with do? it? Yes, <laughs> you know? that's right. You can talk to it and play with it and encourage it and yes, yeah, yeah, just sing, sing to it. Like you know, we listen to music all day as adults, uh, and then just sing them songs. You know, um, language is is such an important thing to introduce right from birth. So, and whether it's rhymes, songs story or just a conversation with your baby yeah I was actually listening to a podcast from dads you know it was the first time dads and Judith Kerr I think her name is who wrote the tiger the tiger who came to tea she they interviewed her and it it was amazing what she was saying she was saying exactly what you're saying I mean that story actually originated from her talking to her children 
And her children actually encouraged her to write that story because they were, I think, you know, her, her husband was away a lot. So she was there with the kids and she used to tell them stories all the time. And, and then one day she sort of thought, right, well, I'm going to tell them a story about something to come, somebody coming to tea. And it was the, the children that then encouraged, oh, right, who's coming to tea? And they go, oh, a tiger's coming to tea. And, oh, he's, he's very hungry, so what are we going to give him to eat? So that's how all that developed. I just thought I'd mention that because I thought that was, yeah. from what you're saying, it's really easy it to do is. that kind of thing. And you can develop your own story from it. And I think the tiger who came to tea is a prime example of that. Absolutely. When my boys were young, um, well, I had five children. So when they were smaller, they would have individual story time before bed. And um, then as they got older, we would do um, shared stories. But um, my boys particularly, I made up a story about all of the boys and they lived in at the edge of a forest and they went on an adventure up to a mountain where they discovered a dragon's egg and then oh, the, yeah. it hatched. And, you know, and that, that story was something that they loved, but because I hadn't written it down, it changed all the time in little bits and pieces or they mm -hmm. would help add little pieces to it. But what happens if? And so then... They were actually helping to build this story as well. I started with this basic structure and then they helped to build it into something else. And then, you know, we'd tell it one way and then, of course, the next time we shared the story, it could be, yes, but this time in the story this happens. And so then yes. I had to spontaneously make something up with that information that they wanted to bring in. And that's just wonderful. That just expands their imagination. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's... It can just be the simplest, easiest thing. And I, I do little, um, my grandson who's nine, he loves being outdoors in the garden with me. So we do little stories, you know. The, the last one we wrote out was the adventure of the disappearing mulberries and we were trying <laughs> to discover why all the mulberries were being eaten and it's because all these little caterpillars are in the mulberry tree and just things like that. And that encourages, he encourages him then to sit down with me and share that experience of him out there in the tree with the magnifying glass that came from a real life experience and discovering these little grubs to then sitting down and writing it and creating a story mm -hmm. that he and owns. You, he helped write it, you know. And you can start that, as you said, going back to the sort of early, you know, the four months, six months, you can start that even then, even though they can't communicate mm. well. That's not true. Babies can communicate with you. But even though they, you think they don't understand, they do understand. And one day they'll, you know, maybe when they start talking, their first word might be or they might say to you, oh, tree, bird, you know, and you can do exactly the same thing. Even even though they're not talking to you, they can smile, they can laugh, they can have so much fun with you. They absorb so, so much babies do and they're like little sponges you know yes, this is the way they learn. the whole world is a sensory experience and so they're just taking in so much and you'll often find like children as well who are exposed to a lot of nursery rhymes and especially stories the older type stories that are say you know when you're telling fairy tales like Hans Christian Andersen and that kind of thing if, if they're told in the original language it actually helps to build quite a rich vocabulary yes, yeah. for the child it's not just very simple words you know so as they're exposed to all of these beautiful rich language experiences right from those early years they're understanding language in a different way as well yeah yeah it's not like just and, and I don't mean to um, put anyone down by saying this but one of the things that I've always tried to do is use the correct word for something, you know, rather than 
babyfying it, if you know yes. what I mean. Because that's actually helping them with their language. Yes, I yeah. try and do that. I don't do it all the time, but I do try. And I always correct myself when I don't because I think it's yeah, so I mean, important. You can't always, you know, you want a bikini, you want a bikini. Well, of course you want a bikini, but like, would you like a biscuit? You know, yes. so yeah. when they're learning to, to speak, they're going to say probably, you know, of course, bikini first, but they understand that a bikini is a biscuit. It's a biscuit. So when I started the charity that I run, the idea behind that is that babies that are in the NICU often can't be touched. So we supply a book and a lullaby booklet for parents to actually be able to read to them through the crib or sing mm. to them through the crib. And therefore, there's this bonding happening via the voice, yeah, babies yeah. You know, feeling, yeah. And so initially some of the feedback we got was some of the mums the newer mums who hadn't been exposed a lot to, to stories and language and had a few a, a bit of a lack of confidence to read to their baby so in that situation they had a few um like nanas <laughs> come in and they would help to guide them to how to read to your baby and it's just it's not a hard thing but I think sometimes parents think oh I have to read a story and if they're not a confident reader or they, they haven't had a good experience at school with, you know, English and learning to mm, read and write, yes, yeah. then sometimes that can be quite daunting for them to pick up even the simplest book. So that's where starting with little songs and rhymes is such a great way to help to build confidence in when Bubby's small. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you pick up a simple rhyme and then later on you might be a bit more confident to read a book. But nowadays there is a lot of, a lot of things available online to help build confidence. So I'm aware of a couple of ladies that I know and what they've done is they'll go online and they kind of watched how other stories were told. There's a couple of websites that I've used over time. One's an American one called Storyline Online and American actors read the stories and some of the stories are slightly animated but they're proper pictures from the books and it just when you actually if you're a visual learner you know and you don't feel confident you can go and watch something like that or something on YouTube of a you know grandma reading a story or something or someone actually reading a story and that just helps them to build a bit of confidence to read a story to their own baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a little thing that just some mums might find that that's a useful tool if they do struggle with that confidence to read. And you can always make it up, though. As I said, you don't. I mean, my father used to make up stories with us all the time. He used to sit me on his yeah. lap and he was very good at Latin. Not, I'm not saying that everybody uh-huh. has to be good at Latin, but he happened to yeah. be very good at Latin. It was a passion of his. And he used to sit down and sing me sing like hit kite cock and make it all up. And it was it was a bit like, you know, you sat on his knee, then you fell down. A bit like Humpty <laughs> Dumpty. And I do that with this yeah. one and a half year old I'm working with. And he keeps saying to me now, he asks his mummy for hit kite cock. And mum's going, what's hit kite cock? And he'll, Helen, <laughs> Helen, hit kite cock. So, you know, yeah. and he he loves it. That's just so, you know, he can talk. Yeah. But it's you can do that with kids. You can do that with babies. It's nonsense. The nonsense verse is what I call it, the nonsense words where you just make things up, you know, like gobbledygook and wibbly wobbly and, you know, all of those kind of strange things. And, and, and they really love that. The more fun, the better. The more they yes. absorb it especially when you make up funny words or you change words around. 
And, and it's encouraging that literacy because it's encouraging that rhyme. It's encouraging them down the track to make up funny rhymes and and help it. them with literacy as well. Because yeah, and have lots of fun. And like you said, like just making things up, little spontaneous stories and spontaneous songs. And I I make them up all the time. And it's funny because. I'll make it up and then I'll think, oh, I wish I'd written that down because I really want to use that again. But in the moment, it's just a made-up thing. Yes. And it works for whatever the purpose is. And you can't always have your phone to record it, so it doesn't. <laughs> no, you know, no it's and, think... and children love to hear little stories about themselves. Yes. And songs about themselves. They love their name or their adventures, you know. And, you know, if they say, oh, tell me a story, Nanny, you know, or a Rona, whichever child it is, work or, or home, you know, and there is that, well, once upon a time there was a little girl named and I use their name and, you know, then I start to begin to tell a story because all stories have a beginning, middle and an end, yes. you know. And usually it's always an adventure story with a very happy ending and, you know, and they just love to hear something about them and especially if it's something that they have actually done, you know, that went on, on um, you know, on an adventure to a park and in that park was a slide almost as big as the tallest tree you've ever seen and, you know, just it's just so it is very easy and they're, they're those spontaneous stories that mums I think will find quite easy to make up. And if you take photographs as well when you take them out to the park because that's what I did mm. with my nieces and nephews with the learning yeah. stories, I... I took the kids out, my niece and nephew out to the park, and I just took photographs of them while they were out there. And then mm. when I got home, I started, I made up this little story and photocopied it and just sent it to them. And even, even today, and they're now 2021, 20, they keep saying, oh, yeah. I'm telling, I love that little story you made for me. We've still got it. It's really powerful. It's such a powerful tool for, for children because, you know, I think it also, you know, it recognises them as an individual to say mm. you're here and you are important and yes. it validates them as well and it gives them this, such a big, it helps their sense of self, you know. Yes, I think there's a self-worth too, you know, like, well, I was important enough that someone wrote a story about me. That's very special. Even if um, you don't write it down and you communicate yeah. it with them, you're still you're still talking with them and communicating with them and you're teaching them respect while you're doing that because you're teaching them to calm down and relax and, you know, all mm. that kind of stuff. And I think that's so valuable because a lot of parents don't do that because we're all complaining about how language and literacy, you know, the language and literacy, I don't want to go into too much detail. Language and literacy is so so what's the word I'm looking for so out there that people the kids aren't learning enough they're not mm. encouraged to read a lot and therefore mm. they say there's a problem but if parents do what we're talking about and discussing and when they're young and helping them children when they're young and help them to communicate well hopefully touch wood that won't be so much of a problem there won't be so much pressure on children yeah. to read and write and I think that's a problem there's a lot of pressure out there for children to there read and write there is. And, you know, the Steiner philosophy is that children um, are ready when they're seven, mm -hmm. um, which means when they're in year one in the Steiner Ward of school, whereas us here in mainstream, it's in kindergarten. And now having worked in both scenarios, I can clearly see the benefit, especially for boys, because boys are often a little bit behind girls in those early years of being ready to read and write. And 
when they go into that, when they're truly ready, that's when they 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 learn faster. Yes. And you know, by doing all the things we're discussing, just those songs, building all the literacy, that the stories, the language, and not that stress of having it always written down, but just all of this oral storytelling, which used to be how stories were passed from culture to culture, generation to generation, it was always done orally. They didn't write things down. And so we need to bring back this oral tradition of just passing things on, the songs, Mm -hmm. the rhymes, the stories, the silly nonsense, the true stories, the whole lot, and share all the time with our children so that when they do go to school, they're actually quite confident to also get up and speak and share because some children are terrified to, in a, in a group of other children to, to get up and speak or share something, you know. Yeah, um, I can relate to that because I was like that as yeah, a child. But by building some of those skills and that sense of self-worth and self-esteem and all of those things that come with, you know, that time of being spending together and validating that what you're saying when a child also when a child has something to tell you or a story to tell you taking that time to stop be present and listen to Mm. their story it's not always just about us doing like telling them it's their stories to share and we do live in a really busy world and I think that it is so important as a parent to stop and to listen to the story that your child is trying to tell you. Yes, it gives absolutely. Them and a sense of self-worth. And that's children don't have, as a parent, you know, we give and we give, but a gift from a child is a story, their mm-hmm. story, something they're sharing with you. They might just want to tell you a story about a stone they found and gift you that stone. That's so precious and so important, yes, that yeah. introduction. I think sometimes we just need to slow our lives down a little bit and just be present. I see Mm -hmm. so many times children just desperately trying to tell mum something that they feel is really important and they're bursting to tell mum, but she's just too busy, too busy, too busy. And it's teaching them that's going into the respect side because we say that Mm. children don't respect adults. But if we don't respect children at a young age, they're going to learn disrespect. But if we teach them as you're saying, if they want to Mm. tell you something, even if you're busy, just say to them, look, can you give me five minutes and I'll come back and I'll listen to you? And you you keep that commitment. It's so important to keep that promise and to keep that commitment and go back and say, you know, and say, look, I'm sorry I couldn't talk to you right then. I was busy cooking tea or doing whatever you're doing, but I've got five minutes now. Please, I'd love to hear your story. And that's that's so important because it's... Oh, huge, hugely important. And when you are with them and you take that time, be present, just be yes. present and, and hear them. And, you know, we, I, I mean, you know, I've had five children. I know how hard it is and how busy it is. And I'm far from the perfect parent. But to be able to just say, look, I just need two minutes and then I'll be with you. And then to mm. go and sit and say, okay, now what was it you wanted to tell me? And actually not be thinking about all these other things that are going on in your head that you've got to get done. Stop, look them in the eye, be present with them and listen to them so that they know they are truly heard. It's not just done on the fly where you've absorbed absorbed half of this important story. And I know we can't always do it all day long, but you'll know the difference between whether they're just telling you something in passing or whether they really have something exciting they need to tell you bursting to tell you you know I think that 
starting from birth is just so important I just can't I honestly can't make that point enough no I'm, I'm the same wavelengths yeah doing little rhymes and if you're unsure about where to source rhymes I'm sure that you know Helen's got plenty of um, links that and you know there's lots of um, books out there there's lots of resources online and it doesn't have to be anything hard I mean we all probably grew up with you know Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and I used mm-hmm. to do that and still do it with my children, grandchildren yes on my so do I yeah and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Fell, fell down apparently kind of my my sister my older sister um we were all born at home i i was a baby so i don't know i've heard the story apparently mm-hmm. she um was waiting outside to come in to see me and when she came in to see me she didn't know what to do so she just let bent over the bent uh, over my little cot and sang me humpty dumpty Aww. and i just and i i mean i don't i I was too little to, you know, to recall it. But now when I think of that, I think, God, that it's just exactly what we're saying. If you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say to a child, just sing to them, whatever you do. I mean, she was only, she was only two because she's only two mm. years older than me. And I guess, you know, she'd learnt it from dad because dad used to do it with her. Yeah. And she thought, right, well, I don't know what to say to my sister. You know, I don't even know she's my sister. She's just this little blob in a cot. <laughs> but I'm just going to sing it Humpty Dumpty. And it was so lovely. I I really, I mean, I wish I was old enough to appreciate it when I was a baby in the cot. But I'm sure I did because I remember, you know, I remember it now. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's really lovely when, and especially if you can get siblings involved. You know, we're talking about just mums and babies here. But, you know, to get siblings yes. to share stories and songs and, and play with their little babies and, teaching that like you know this little piggy went to market and you know all of those really you know simple little you know ran around the garden things and they can do that with their tiny baby brother yes or sister, that's right you know and it's great fun and once Bobby starts to smile and starts to interact then they can do other things as well so it can become a whole family thing not just mum and bub or dad and bub yeah which and is I love when I yeah. see Dad's reading to babies and siblings reading to babies. So I get photos sent from the hospital and it just makes my heart happy because, you know, we're always talking about mums because, you know, mums are with Bobby a lot, but we also have all these stay-at-home dads too. Yes, that's right. Um, and dads, it's dads important to include dads in the picture as well. Absolutely. And when um, my grandsons were in NICU, my sons were reading them stories through the cribs as well. And I just thought that was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And one of my sons, I've got a photo of him even holding up a book to show the baby who couldn't see it, but they, that's, oh. how he had been, that's how he had had stories read to him. And then so therefore he was, you know, reading the page and, and putting the book up to the crib and I just, my heart just melted. I thought oh, that's Oh, isn't that beautiful. cute? That, yeah, that is. It's lovely. One day he will do that with his children and that made my heart really happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the way to start, as we've said mm. at the beginning. We've got to start. Yeah, I think that's what we've got to. That, that's the that's the key to this. Yeah, you know, encourage parents to do it now and to keep doing it and not sort of give up and just get back to get back to nature, get back to the nitty gritties, and get back to where what they did in the eighteen nineties and just read stories to their children. Absolutely, and just that you know you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to even no. own a book. You know, no. you can just have come from the heart, sing a little ditty, uh, tell a little story, you know, and 
I mean, I'm pretty sure most people would know even the story of the three little pigs. You can tell that quite easily. Oh, you can make it up. <laughs> you, you know, can add bits to it as well. Oh, yeah. And that's it. You know, I, I like happy ending stories too. But so, sometimes yeah. stories <laughs> sometimes don't have to be happy things. endings. I mean, for you know, when they get a bit older, you can make the, no, they, they don't, don't have to be happy endings. Thank you so much, Girona, for a really, really interesting chat. I think there's a lot of great ideas and suggestions here for first-time mums. I'm sure that they would love to find out more about you and your world. I saw from your Facebook page that you run workshops online. They can contact me on Facebook um, at Fairy Tale Dreaming, um, and that's a business I've started with a friend, and we're focusing on bringing back the magic of storytelling and told stories using very simple props. Rather than a storybook, it's just a told story orally um, using some simple props. Um, and we're going to be doing different kinds of workshops, but we'll also eventually be putting little um, videos and things on and then later on we'll have a website. So they can always contact it, me through Facebook there at Fairytale Dreaming or um, we also have our Gmail address on that page as well if they'd like to ask me anything specific. No, that's good because I think I think from what we've been saying, I think a lot of first-time mums, I think it's good that they've got somebody, you know, after we've spoken, they might think, oh, I really enjoyed that. I'd love to hearing Arona. Or I'd love to sort of find out how we can get in touch. I'm, I'm glad you've said that because that's good. Yeah, not a problem at all. And I'm, I'm always happy to share, to help, to guide. I'm really passionate about early childhood and language and literacy and any, if anyone needs any help or guidance I'm very well resourced with little <laughs> songs and rhymes and bits and pieces as well so always happy to share thank you so much Irena and I love I, I I really love talking to you because I I'm on the same page as you so I really enjoy listening to you and thank you so much and I hope that the, the mums that are listening to this podcast will appreciate you know your knowledge and experience of of storytelling and fun and spontaneity and everything